Welcome back to Humans of Grad School, the podcast about humans who happen to go to grad school. Being a grad student can often become a large part of our identity, but it's not the only part. This podcast aims to share the stories of the humans behind the research. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I hope you're all staying warm. Um, We are currently in the middle of a disgusting polar vortex, so I just don't leave my couch ever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. But um, that's just the way things got to be. But I'm not going to spend very much time talking at the beginning of this episode. I think all that I want to let everyone know is that I'm very, very excited about this episode. And I know that the focus of this podcast thus far has been about people's experience in grad school, what they're currently doing. And I know that the last episode was about what life is like outside of grad school. But this particular episode takes on a different tone. And I'm just so excited for you all to hear it. I think it's so important. And this episode was so insightful and so wonderful to hear and it's I don't know how else to say anything other than the fact that it's important it's just I think it's important for people to understand that grad school is not the be-all and end-all of your life and if you find that things are not working for you in grad school there's nothing wrong with that you are not a failure you did not do anything wrong it's not that you aren't smart enough it's just so important. I don't know. I know I keep repeating that it's important over and over, but I really do think that this episode is incredibly insightful and I would recommend everyone listen to this one. I'm really excited for it. So I'm not going to say very much else. Um, I think we're just going to get to the episode. I hope you enjoy listening. Today's guest is Lauren, grad school dropout, mental health prioritizer, and finder of herself. Let's hear her story. Uh, I feel like it changed a lot for me when I was younger. Uh, I always liked animals, and so initially, like I feel like a lot of young kids, I really thought I was going to be a vet. And then I never made any real move to pursue that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But when I went to high school, I really, really liked science. I liked biology. I loved anatomy. And so from there, I kind of started leaning towards something in the medical field. And by grade 12, I had kind of decided that I actually wanted to be a doctor And when I started my undergrad in health science, that was kind of my end goal was do my undergrad in health side and maybe apply for med school. And I have a very vivid memory of sitting in chemistry class. And it was like one of the huge lecture halls at Western. And our prof asked who here wants to go to med school. And I think probably 900 students put their hands up. Like there's just so many people that were like me I'm going to med school and I looked around and I was like this isn't (laughs) I was like "Mm, probably gonna chuck that goal um so yeah I kind of always knew it was gonna be something 
in the medical field, um, or that was always my kind of goal, and that remained pretty consistent. Um, I did apply to nursing programs when I was in high school as well. I just didn't go into them. I got into them, and I never actually did my undergrad in nursing till later. So, interesting. Okay. So since you chucked <laughs> your goal of uh, going to med school, what did you end up doing at the end of undergrad? So my first undergrad, I ended up finishing with um, my undergrad in health science. And then I had done a lot of courses in aging and it was kind of suggested to me to go to grad school or pursue a master's. And I didn't really have any other ideas at the time, if I'm being honest. (laughs) I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I just knew I wasn't finished with school. Uh, So I did ultimately enter my master's when I finished my undergrad. Honestly, I feel like a lot of us go into our master's because we don't really know (laughs) what else. Like, we don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. So we're like, I'll just go and do my master's, which I understand. Like, it sounds very blasé when I say it like that, or like we take it as a nonchalant decision. But I remember being an undergrad and being like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Like when this is over, other than pursue a master's. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty much my experience. It was kind of just suggested to me. And I was like, yeah, I I guess that sounds (laughs) like something I could maybe do. So (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So when you first started your master's then, like, how did it feel starting getting into it? Like, what was that like for you to get into the research aspect? So when I first started, uh, I feel like it was a pretty seamless transition initially from like undergrad to master's. Uh, I was in courses, obviously, like everyone else's for the first couple semesters and so I really liked the coursework and I had no problem with that I really enjoyed that and I feel like I almost started it without understanding that I was going to have to complete a thesis which sounds (laughs) terrible and obviously I didn't put in the the time to fully understand what was going to be required of me in this master's because I remember just like learning more about the thesis aspect and being like oh my god there is no way (laughs) be an enjoyable aspect of this for me I just remember being like oh my god I have to write this thing over like two years and it's it's probably gonna suck Uh, but I did really enjoy the the coursework aspect actually and I feel like I would have no problem with the course-based masters but um yeah the research-based program was once I kind of got into the research aspect of it uh was not the most enjoyable thing for me. Okay, before we get into why the research part wasn't enjoyable, I was wondering if you could talk about why, you know, the course work was so enjoyable for you. Like, what did you like about Mm. the coursework that you were doing? So so I think what I like about coursework is uh, I find the expectations are like very well defined. I know exactly what is expected of me. I have a very, very clear timeline. And it's it's like, this is a due date for an assignment and you're, you're either done it or you're not. Um, and I think I find comfort in that. And I, I think I kind of find discomfort in things that are ambiguous, such as completing an actual full thesis. Um, to me, it was a lot easier to 
like kind of sit down and, and write an essay over the course of a couple days, knowing I have to turn it in with this date. Um, and I just like the actual like expectations of coursework where I know what I have to do and the date I have to do it by. Mm, okay. If that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Let's talk about these unknowns of the research process. <laughs> like, how did you start discovering these unknowns? Like, what was that like for you when you were actually like, oh, crap, like, I have to do research now? <laughs> um, so I think when I started getting into it, I realized that, you know, not everyone finishes a master's in two years, which was something that I found really overwhelming. And again, I, I find comfort in, in firm deadlines where I know that I have to complete something by a certain date and then I'm done it. Like this is my product, it's done. And once I submit it, there's no perfecting it further. Like this is just what I've created and I don't have to return to that. And I had a lot of issue coming back to my own research and, and just the thought of like constantly fine tuning it and trying to perfect it and changing it and then coming back to it. And it just felt like this thing like hanging over my head that I was gonna have to deal with for at least two years. To me, the thought of just never having something finished for that long was very overwhelming and not something I enjoyed at all. <clears throat> okay, there, there was something you said first before we get into talking about like refining your research. And that was the fact that the fact that a lot of people don't finish their master's in two years kind of became mm -hmm. a realization for you. Mm -hmm. What was that like to realize that like, oh, the two years is just like a set thing by the institution and doesn't actually dictate the fact that like, once you hit this date two years from now, like you're done and you're cut off and it's over. Like nothing's happening anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, so again, I think that was just something that once I realized I would have to possibly do this for longer than those two years, uh, kind of changed how I viewed it. It wasn't something that was like two years and I'm done and I can move on. I realized that, uh, again, I would have possibly this massive project looming over my head for an undetermined amount of time. And it wasn't even like an end goal I could look forward to, like, after this date, then I'm kind of free from doing this. It was, it was like, it could possibly continue longer than that. Uh, and I also realized that it, it wasn't like going back to the ambiguity of it. It wasn't that I finished my master's and then I would automatically move into this role. And these were my like defined job choices. I couldn't do like X, Y, Z. It was, I could finish this in maybe two years and maybe longer. And then when I finish it, I still don't know what I'm going to be able to do. It's not like I'm walking in to a career that was, de that was decided based on me completing this master's. And so, yeah, that was kind of a part that, <laughs> again, yeah. I found very overwhelming with the whole experience. I think, and I think that's something that a lot of us take for granted is that doing a master's or going into grad school in general is a very you don't have a lot of control over the situation. Mm -hmm. I feel like, like there's a weird assumption that you have more control than what you actually do in regard to your research, mm -hmm. in regard to timelines, in regard to like getting things edited and done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, 
Like very much. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. I understand that. But I also, I want to go back now to the point that you made about constantly having to refine your Mm -hmm. research and talk about like, where were you at in your research and when, what was the moment? Because you mentioned that you, you know, approached it with a lot of uncertainty and overwhelm and trepidation. Like at what Mm -hmm. point were you like, you know what, like, this isn't meant for me. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. So... I think after I finished that first semester of coursework, it was like the winter where I kind of started the process. And a lot of this was my own fault for not, um, I think not asking enough questions and not understanding the full scope of what I was going to have to do. But I kind of just progressed into the research I started doing it. And then over the summer, I was still working a full-time job and trying to like manage doing my thesis stuff on the side. But I found myself mostly focusing on work and having a lot of difficulty in actually prioritizing time for my thesis and my research. But I did get into um, interviews with participants. And I feel like many grad students, the entire, the entire process, I was very plagued by imposter syndrome the whole time. I was like, what am I doing? And then the further I got, I was like, I am just digging myself deeper into this. Like the further I get into this, the harder it is for me to eventually get out of this. But I had progressed into my interviews. And then it was kind of at that time, kind of over the summer, and then into the the preceding winter semester where I had actually developed like very significant anxiety. Like it was, it was bad. Like I I had a hard time sleeping and eating and it was, it was just kind of progressing pretty rapidly to the point that like my family and friends were like, like what gives, you know, like we don't really recognize you anymore. And so it was then that I had realized that things had become like pretty bad for me in terms of my own mental health. Uh, And then I kind of had to start prioritizing that um, and kind of making decisions as to whether or not this was going to be something that I could see through or if I had to kind of take a step back. So, okay. So when that moment came to contemplate, is this something that I want to continue doing? Because you mentioned that others noticed that there was a difference in your demeanor and the way that you presented yourself and the way that you felt. Mm -hmm. So at what point were you like, okay, you know what? Like, I can't do this anymore. Like what was that final straw? If you want to call it that, where you were like, you know what? Like, I don't think I'm meant to do this and I I need to get out. Um, was there a culminating moment? Maybe I should phrase it like that is like, was it this series of events or was there this final instance for you? that was just like, okay, you know what? I don't, I'm not sure there was like one final moment that made me realize it. I think it was just the matter of like months and weeks of just worsening anxiety that kind of just led up to this point where I was like, I, this is not for me. And so I actually ended up weird enough, but 
I ended up going to my family doctor because the anxiety was bad enough. But what happened, it wasn't like a medical appointment at all, really. Uh, He kind of just sat me down and almost gave me permission to remove myself from the program. Like he just sat me down, had a very honest conversation with me, um, talking about authenticity and how if you're not being authentic in what you're doing, it's going to come across to people. It's probably coming across in your research and it's going to make you anxious and upset. So like, here is the permission that you need to remove yourself from that. And I feel like that's just kind of when I was like, okay, I can, I can leave the program. I'm like confident in my decision to do that now. Okay. Um, you know, in the fact that he kind of sat you down and helped give you that permission, quote unquote, did you feel as though you had to stay and stick it out? No, but I had a lot of shame about the idea of possibly leaving. It's something that now I kind of joke about. I laugh and I'm like, oh, my grad school dropout. Um, (laughs) But at the time, it was it wasn't funny at the time. At the time, it was obviously something that I didn't take lightly at all. Like I didn't like the idea of having to drop out. And I was really hard on myself and that um, I I was like, well, you couldn't do it. it. You just weren't like you weren't smart enough. You weren't cut out for it. And I was very, very difficult on myself. Um, and I realized that I should have prefaced this before, but I realized that even going to grad school is like such a privilege. Um, and I don't downplay that. I recognize that completely. Uh, and I also had an incredible support system through the whole thing. So no one that I was close to at all made me feel like I had to stay in grad school. I had parents who were very supportive of me kind of doing whatever was best for me, especially if it was prioritizing my mental health. I have a partner who was also very, very supportive of it and just wanted me to do whatever I needed to do to be happy. Um, so yeah, it's not like I, no one made me feel like I had to stay except for myself in different moments. Okay. So when you finally left, how did that feel for you? I had a lot of mixed emotions. Um, the day that I actually like left the program formally was pretty tough. Um, I I was still just very anxious about like whatever kind of fallout may happen from me leaving. Um, So I feel like the, the days and weeks kind of after I left, I was still pretty anxious and nervous about just like, kind of like what was going to happen since I left. But I know um, like the moment I formally dropped out, I left and I like took a breath and I just felt like a huge weight off my chest. It was like, Oh my, I don't have this like hanging over my head anymore. Like I am just very, very relieved. Um, and then the, the month following was tough because I didn't have a job. It's not like I'd lined something up beforehand. And I was living with my parents and I kind of just spent most of my days being like, what am I doing? And I second guessed myself a lot thinking like, well, maybe if I had just been like a little tougher or like more resilient, perhaps I could have actually finished and maybe this was a mistake. And so it's not like at any one point I knew for sure that that's what I was supposed to do. Um, 
but then once I got a job and started working full time and kind of like figured out what I want to do moving forward, then I never really looked back mm-hmm. and I haven't since. Amazing. Okay. Before we get into that, I do something that you mentioned that I thought was really important was the fact that you were very hard on yourself. Like you were, mm-hmm. you were individualizing a lot of these feelings. And I feel like often like that happens in instances of grad school mm-hmm. where the structure of the academy itself sets you up to always feel imposter syndrome or always make you feel like you're competing against these people or always feel inadequate in some way because it's based on competition with other people and watching other people succeed. So, you know, after getting over that period where you weren't, where you were questioning how you felt about it, I guess, did looking back on it now, do you feel as though it was still a matter of you not being resilient enough or you not being smart enough? Or do you feel like your perspective has changed since spending time out of the academy now? My perspective's definitely changed a lot. Um, Looking back, I I realize now it has nothing to do with my intelligence. I'm certainly someone who, had I wanted to get through grad school, I'm sure that I would have. But I think you're right in that it was tough once you're in it because people don't share their failures a lot in grad school, which was something I found. And I felt like I was the only person in the universe to ever drop out of a master's program. I felt very, very isolated and kind of alone in the experience. And it's because I'd never talked to someone who was like, Hey, I tried grad school and it sucked for me. And so I left like, no one is talking about that. But I did talk to my sister who she finished her master's and she knew people who had dropped out of grad school like multiple times and re-entered in different areas and times of their life. And she kind of normalized that for me, but I feel like no one really talks about failures like that or no one talks about having to leave or, you know, take a break from their research. Um, it does seem very competitive in, in some aspects, like people just kind of want to talk about, their successes and triumphs, which is good, but it can, it can be difficult and isolating if you feel like you're not at the same spot as other people. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that extra resiliency or me being more intelligent would have made a difference. I think it was just a matter of um, like poor mental health and just being unhappy with what I was doing. And again, going back to the authenticity component, just knowing that this was not meant for me. And that was coming across in a lot of ways, and kind of owning that. And just deciding to, to be authentic and do what I had to do and do what was best for me. Oh, definitely. And you mentioned something really interesting when you were saying that you were saying how like dropping out of grad school seems like a failure. You know, Mm -hmm. looking back on it now, do you think that it was a failure that you left? No, no, not at all. I think of it as actually like a big personal success. Because <laughs> um, to me, it was understanding myself and knowing that had I proceeded, I, I may have not made it through the program, like my mental health had suffered so significantly. So for me to be able to recognize that and make a difficult decision that 
ended up being great for me. I think I see as a huge success. So. No, oh, definitely. Now, one other thing I wanted to ask before we get to where you are now, I know I keep like teasing it in a way. I'm like, oh, we'll get there. We'll get there, but we will get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I wanted to ask was, you know, now that you've been through that experience and you're on the other end of that experience, do you feel like you learned anything about yourself going through that? Very much. Yes. Um, I learned that a research master's isn't for me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I I did actually learn a lot about like more practically a lot about my work style and about how I complete things. I learned that I'm not necessarily someone who likes working uh, very individually. Like I feel like I like teamwork aspects and, um, I'm detail oriented when it comes to certain things, but not all things, which was a huge downfall for me and trying to do things like literature reviews. (laughs) Um, but most importantly, I learned how to prioritize myself and my own feelings and how to, how to label things that I'm feeling and, um, how to manage my own mental health. And so those were like very important things that I learned. And I don't take for granted my, my time in grad school. Like I, I learned a lot in the time that I was there. And I think I learned a lot of valuable experiences just about uh, working with other people, uh, learned valuable things about myself. And I obviously learned again, practical things about research and analyzing articles, understanding research and that kind of thing as well. Oh, definitely. I was going to follow that up actually and say, you know, if you could go back in time and potentially change and not go to grad school, do you think you would have just opted not to go to grad school or do you think you still would have gone through that experience? Although it was a difficult life experience, it was still valuable to me. And so again, I still think that I took a lot from it and I'm happy with, with what I learned in the time that I was there, both personally and professionally. So I think I would, I would still do it. Yeah, for sure. I don't see it as, I don't see it as lost time at all. I really don't. Definitely. So, okay. Now we get to talk about (laughs) where you're at. I kept pushing it back, but we're finally going to get there. So do you want to talk a little bit about what happened after you left? So you mentioned that, you know, you started working full time again and you kind of want to just start off from there and kind of what ended up happening and culminating. And I know you teased it at the very beginning. Like it was very, it was a very good <laughs> tease, but <laughs> we can actually talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And so before I actually dropped out of grad school, I had applied for a fast track nursing program because the research I had been doing was focused a lot on um, frontline caregivers. And at the time of doing it, I felt a little uneducated in that I had never been a frontline caregiver myself. And so my initial plan was finish my master's, get a nursing degree, and then those two things together would kind of put me in a better spot to do some sort of leadership or management position once in nursing. Um, Unfortunately, I, as you know, (laughs) I didn't finish the master's aspect, but I had already kind of planted the seed and applied for the fast track nursing. And so once I left the program, I took about a month off and then I started working at a community support agency near my hometown. And so that was where we provided things like meals on wheels, home care, 
and different programs for older adults in the community and persons with different abilities. Um, so that was a really, really cool spot to work. I actually really enjoyed working there. I learned that I enjoyed um, like office life almost like Monday to Friday, normal hours. I liked coming home and being able to just shut off the work and not think about it. And so that kind of also started reaffirming my choice to leave grad school and leave research because I felt like coming home and turning my brain off wasn't an option for me. Um, but once I worked for almost a year, I did get accepted into the nursing program. So I left my job after that summer and then I started nursing a fast track nursing program. Ooh, okay. So mm -hmm. do you want to talk about what that program was like for you? And you've already started mentioning, you know, as you were working, you started realizing a couple other things about yourself and what you like in terms of your working habits and your style of work. Did any more of these revelations come to you while you were in nursing school or any other like realizations about things in general? That sounds so like Kylie Jenner, 2017, but like, <laughs> like were you realizing stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the nursing program for me, it was, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Again, it kind of brought me back to when I was in grade 12, trying to decide ultimately what to do with my life. And I felt like I was in the right spot because it was the perfect blend of human physiology and anatomy and practicing nursing skills in combination with um, social science aspects of nursing, like connecting with other people and you know really connecting with like, your empathetic side of things it's very general sounding <laughs> the empathetic side of things <laughs> by this do you mean like fostering empathy for like patients or do you mean like being able to understand their circumstances like being able to understand people's context beyond just providing medical care yes and so connecting with patients and just being empathetic, understanding where they come from. In nursing school, a lot of a lot of what we focus on as well is the social determinants of health and trying to better understand individuals and why why it is that they're needing medical care in the first place um, beyond just the actual acute medical issue. And so I really, really enjoyed those aspects of nursing school and the fact that I was combining hu like human sciences with social sciences. Um, another thing I realized in nursing school was just that I was going to enjoy the schedule of nursing, like the actual, like go to work for 12 hours and then come home and then that's you don't have to do work at home. Like <laughs> you leave your work at your place of work. And then also some nursing, not all nursing schedules, but some nursing schedules allow you to have like a couple days off in a row, which I knew was just going to fit into my kind of lifestyle and what I wanted for myself in terms of just time off and being able to be home and connect with family and friends and actually enjoy my life. Mm, okay. So you're done nursing school now and you're mm -hmm. working. So how does it feel like actually being a practicing nurse and hitting, because you mentioned before, when you finish your master's, you still don't fully know where you're going to end up or where you're going to go. So how does it feel mm -hmm. 
knowing where you are and knowing where you ended up. <laughs> it, it feels good. It's kind of surreal. Like I finished nursing and I was like, okay, so now I'm just, I'm just going to be a nurse, I guess. Like I'm expected to do this thing that I took myself through school for, but um, it hasn't necessarily been an easy uh, year for nurses or healthcare workers in general. I, I was only working for less than a year when the pandemic started. And so a lot of my ask, like a lot of my view of nursing has been shaped by the current pandemic. So that's kind of difficult. Um, It's just, yeah, it's been hard to be a nurse in this climate, Uh, but I do love it. It hasn't changed my desire to be a nurse or to be doing what I'm doing. I, I really enjoy it. It's, and it's something that still makes me happy while I'm doing it. Um, obviously some days are more difficult than others, but it's still that perfect blend of science and human connection that I think I always kind of wanted, but wasn't really sure how to get that. Oh, definitely. You mentioned something that I thought was interesting. You said it's currently hard to be a nurse in this climate. Can you maybe tell me a little bit more about that and what that means? Yeah, so just with the pandemic, things have been very uncertain. I I understand for everyone, but I feel like especially for healthcare workers, um, we're kind of putting ourselves in a spot where we're at a very high risk of contracting COVID or bringing COVID home to our family or spreading that to our friends. And I feel like we're kind of at a spot where we're almost a little ostracized in the community because people are sometimes scared to be around us just given our our risk and our exposure. Uh, It's also difficult kind of seeing comments from people who don't believe that the current pandemic is as big an issue as it is when you go to work and you and you're like caring for COVID patients and you see the difficulty that comes with that. Uh, It just feels just kind of insulting almost when people in the community don't necessarily believe that or buy that or don't understand the risk. And so I, it, it's just kind of been a tough year, I think for me and a lot of my colleagues trying to deal with that. Um, Fortunately, I feel like our community is, is pretty good um, with following public health guidelines. And I feel like our community is really, really supportive for the most part. Um, But we had a really difficult kind of month from November to mid-December where the floor that I work on, uh, we were placed in a mandatory workplace quarantine. And so that meant that myself and all my coworkers were only allowed to go to work and home and we weren't allowed to go anywhere in between. Like we couldn't go through drive-throughs, we couldn't go grocery shopping. We were allowed to do things like walk our dogs as long as it was in a low traffic area and ideally at non-busy times and you could do things like get gas because obviously you have to get to work but uh, yeah it was it was an uncomfortable unfortunate experience it was a very lonely kind of month a lot of my colleagues actually moved out of their homes Uh, they moved into hotels they rented airbnbs to be completely away from their family and focus only on going to work and so yeah it's just been it's been pretty difficult for for a couple of reasons, but those are the main ones. Oh, definitely. If you're comfortable and if you're not like not a problem, 
But what has it been like for you to care for COVID patients? I feel like we have mostly a lot of triumphs in seeing people with COVID um, improve medically and eventually be discharged to home or to wherever they came from. But it is, it's really difficult because you can see how scared people are to be dealing with a virus that we still don't know that much about. Um, and it really, really varies. Some people can be quite ill, whereas some people seem relatively asymptomatic and just require, you know, some supportive therapies, a bit of oxygen while they're in the hospital. But other people just don't seem to do very well medically with it. Um, people seem to decompensate very quickly. Um, I think one of the worst parts, though, is not having patient families be able to be there, especially when we've had patients who have passed away as a result of COVID. It's, it's really, really sad that their family is not allowed to come see them. You always think like in your final moments that there's gonna be people who you love surrounding you, but that's not the case. There's people who like people physically cannot be there with someone dying of COVID, which is tragic. It really is. It, it means that me and my coworkers have done things like hold iPads for family members. Yeah, it's very sad. How are you handling it? Usually pretty well. <laughs> um, for, for the most part, I'm handling it okay, I would say. I think I mostly keep busy and I, I try not to actually think about the really, really sad aspect, aspects of it, um, which maybe isn't the healthiest coping mechanism, but um, I do have very supportive family and my partner is really supportive. So we can only vent so much to people outside of the medical community though. You know what I mean? Like it's difficult to come home and share why my day was difficult with my partner without breaching things like confidentiality. And so I do find that my coworkers and I kind of lean on each other a lot. We rely on each other a lot. We talk about the good things and also the difficult things and the sad things that we're seeing. Um, but it's nice to be able to kind of come home and have almost like a refuge in my own home and disconnect from work. Um, I spend a lot of time with my dog as well. He's kind of like a therapy dog. So that helps, but yeah, it is. So, some things are harder to cope with than others in, re, in, in terms of the pandemic, but uh, I'm mostly handling it well, but I do think it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens to a lot of healthcare workers post pandemic. Cause I think that there's going to be a lot of issues with mental health following this. I feel like uh, we've kind of seen a lot and I'm, and like my floor less so than maybe a lot of other areas, like the ICU would obviously have a really difficult time with this kind of thing. And I, I think a lot about like the nurses in the States where the pandemic is significantly worse. And yeah, so I feel like it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens to a lot of healthcare workers post pandemic. Cause I think that a lot of us will have a tough time kind of returning to normal, I guess.
Oh, 100%. I think there's so much moral distress that's being taken for granted here in terms Mm -hmm. of being a healthcare provider and having to care for these patients that like, I don't even know how else to describe it other than the fact that it is very morally and ethically distressing, I think. Very much. Yes. Yes. And like, I don't want to say that like every day is terrible. Like we have a lot of triumphs. We have a lot of successes, especially in the, on the floor I work in, like the environment that we're in, we, a lot of our patients will recover and they'll go home, but uh, yeah, certain days are difficult. Certain experiences have been really difficult. Um, but I do feel lucky and um, happy to be able to like help my community and work with those who are, who are struggling with COVID or I, I do find it to be like a blessing. I'm happy to do it, but it is, it comes with its challenges for sure. Definitely. Kind of alongside this train of thought, as I'm sitting here thinking, you've spent a good chunk of your nursing career at this point, nursing in a pandemic. And so you had mentioned earlier that the way that you nurse is being shaped by (laughs) nursing. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I just heard. (laughs) Okay, it's fine. It's fine. He wanted to answer the question. It's fine. Um, So essentially what I wanted to ask is how is nursing in a pandemic shaping your nursing and nursing philosophy and the way that you provide care moving forward? Uh, I think practically one of the things it's doing is really putting a focus on infection prevention and control. That's something I think about a lot. Um, but it is changing the way that I feel like we connect with patients in one way. It's difficult because when someone is COVID positive, um, you're constantly like dressed up in PPE and we, we are wearing a mask everywhere. And so for that reason, sometimes I feel like it's hard for patients to, to feel connected to us and to even understand us. Um, I realize it's very intimidating for a lot of patients and it kind of adds to the fear of the whole experience for them. Um, It also means that sometimes we're trying to minimize the amount of time that we spend in patient rooms. So we're trying to minimize our own risk of infection. Um, So those are kind of issues that impact how we're able to connect with our patients. But then there's also a part of that, that I feel like we're trying to connect with our patients even more because we understand that they're so isolated from their families. They're completely separated. And a lot of the time myself and my colleagues and other frontline caregivers are possibly the only person who's, or the only people who are going to be around an individual struggling with COVID in the hospital. We may be the only people there during their final moments. And so things like that kind of have helped like help shape, I think, my view of nursing. Um, Yeah, and I think my understanding of myself as a nurse has kind of changed. I feel somewhat uncomfortable with the term like 
hair heroes because a lot of us didn't didn't want to be heroes you know what I mean like that's not that's not why we're here that's not why we're doing what we're doing um a lot of us are in nursing because we like help people like like help people <laughs> we like helping people um which is why most of us are are here um so yeah I it's changed I feel like how society sees us a lot but it hasn't necessarily that doesn't that hasn't factored into how I see myself mm-hmm. as a nurse does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah I kind of rambled on a lot there but that's okay um I'm gonna ask you one more question about nursing in a pandemic and that is you know to anyone who's listening as a nurse who has nursed COVID patients and is currently nursing in a pandemic is there anything you want people to know or to reaffirm to people? Um, please just follow like public health guidelines as they're put out by the province, by your own uh, health units. Please just listen to what people are asking you to do. <laughs> um, mask- masking is important. Washing your hands is important. Distancing when you can is important minimizing the number of people you see is important and it's just it's an act that will is is a selfless act like just wear a mask you don't know who you're helping even if you're young and healthy you don't know what can happen like we don't know people seem to focus on the fact that there's low mortality rates or people are trying to say there's low mortality rates but that doesn't factor in like post-COVID morbidity, which is a thing that some people experience. Um, but yeah, please just wear a mask, wash your hands, social distance, follow public health guidelines because um, your frontline caregivers are, are also tired of the pandemic. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want this either. So <laughs> that's we fair. all appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's another question that I kind of want to go back to, and this, it goes back to your grad school experience, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, if there's people out there that are considering leaving, or, you know, maybe you're having the same feelings that you felt when you were in grad school and weren't fully sure if grad school was what they were meant to do, or if they wanted to do grad school, is there anything, is there any wisdom that you have gained on account of doing this that, you think is important? Like, what do you wish you would have known if you were, when you were contemplating leaving? I wish I would have known at the time that it is okay to leave. It is normal. A lot of people do it. You're not alone. It's not because you weren't smart enough or weren't good enough. It's simply because it wasn't for you. And just because that wasn't for you doesn't mean that something else isn't. Um, I was always really worried that it was going to completely define and shape my life if I left grad school, which wasn't the case at all. Like no one even mentions it anymore. Like I've had multiple, I've had job interviews and no one brings it up. Like it, no one really cares. Like once you're out of that, no one cares that you dropped out of grad school. Like you're still able to find yourself. You'll find something else to do. It's, it doesn't have to be something that, makes you miserable for a long time if you really hate it and I encourage anyone who um 
isn't happy in grad school and really doesn't enjoy it and would like to leave. If you're stressed and you're questioning yourself and you think that you're never going to make something of yourself, if you're a grad school dropout, you will. I, I promise you, you will. And if, if it's the right decision for you, then do it. That's not to say that I think everyone should drop out of grad school, obviously, <laughs> but <laughs> if, if it's really not for you, that's okay. Cause it's not for everyone. So don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't feel bad about it. I think we should normalize um, not only successes and triumphs in grad school, but also um, failures and being unhappy and not liking it. And that's normal and it's okay. And you're still a valued person if you drop out of grad school. This has been Humans of Grad School. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Humans of GS or Instagram at Humans of GS Podcast. If you want to get in touch, email humans of grad school podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.